Hey, WizKids, different voice today, welcoming you on the show. Jamoke Davis is on vacation, but we'll get to hear from him by phone. I'm Zach Rosen. I'm with Chris Gehring here. A little two-man pod action. Uh, we're going to do our best uh, by ourselves without our, uh, our our true ringleaders, Jacob Raymond, Jeremy Hyman, still in Vegas covering Summer League. Uh, but we'll we'll talk through a lot of great stuff today. Of course, the re-signing of Otto Porter Jr. for the Wizards, uh, the new signing of Jody Meeks, who was with the Magic last season. We're going to go through some of the things he said on his conference call on Thursday morning. Uh, lots to talk about around NBA free agency around the league, especially in the East. And then uh, we'll talk a little summer league since both of us, of course, had not much to do this week and watched a good amount of summer league. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, so we're going to call Jamoke right away, get him in on the action. I know he has a lot of uh, Otto Porter comments to make, uh, of course, positive because Jamoke loves Otto. So we're getting him next. Stay tuned. Welcome back, WizKids. On the line, we have our great friend and usual producer and host, Jamoke Davis, who is currently on vacation at an undisclosed location. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to give away his alibi, as Kelly Oubre Jr. has taught us, but... Uh, Jamoke, how's it going? You having a nice week out there? It's going great. I would say that I enjoy relaxing, and at the same time, as my wife always tells me, when do you ever not work? So I'm trying to still watch Summer League and keep up with everything online. And, of course, as a professional, how did I pick this week to basically be on vacation when I should be in Vegas with everyone else? But my father-in-law is retiring this was the week he wanted to take his big vacation and retirement party, so I could not, could not say no. So here I am, enjoying myself and watching NBA Summer League. That's good. We had a lot of fun in Vegas. Definitely missed you. Jeremy and Jacob are still out there enjoying the uh, enjoying the 115 degree heat, but but uh, but here we are. We've got some hoops to talk about, which is great in the summertime when we already kind of miss it. You can get into all kinds of trouble in in Vegas, as, as I often did, and I imagine Uh-oh. Chris, you you kept it PG. Of course, he's professional. <laughs> uh, but really, thanks for coming on with us today, Jamoke. Taking a little time out of your week, uh, you are always working, but right now is the the real work comes in for the off the bench podcast. So. Uh, we're, we're excited that to get your takes on some of these things, and I'm sure they'll be almost as good as your Mike Scott body issue take. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think you almost, you almost made Jacob uh, quit the podcast after that one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Otto Porter Jr. has re-signed with the Wizards after um, his, his rookie contract was up. Uh, it's a long-term contract per team policy. We can't disclose the details. But um, really what this means for the Wizards is they're going to keep intact their, their three top three picks that they've made over you know the last seven years. Uh, he joins John Wall and Bradley Beal to keep that, that real core intact. They've been playing together a long time. I think it's, it's exciting for the team to know that they have this foundation. Um, Otto, of course, last year, 13.4 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game. He was fourth in the NBA in three-point shooting at 43.4%. Uh, great field goal percentage, over 50%. Free throws all there. Uh, one interesting thing I saw was that 538, which is uh, ESPN Stats website, or uh, one of them, ranked him as a top 30 player statistically in the NBA. So um, 
along, of course, Beal and Wall were on that list as well. So that's exciting. Um, I guess everyone, just your reaction to the re-signing. Were you surprised? What are what what made you think now of this team? And I think the one word for me, at least, is consistency. So, Chris. Yeah, I think the I think consistency is key, and we hear that. You know, we hear that from ownership. We've heard that from Ernie. I think that's a focus of this team um, all the way through. And, and also, it, we've seen that pay off for this team. Um, staying the course for this team. And uh, obviously, John signed a long-term deal first. Brad, Otto now. And, and we really, last season, just saw Otto come into more of a featured role. Obviously, he's he is still... John and Brad are still the two big leaders of this team brad presumably on his way to being an all-star we hope next season john of course already being an all-star now an all nba point guard but otto is is i think the thing that gets lost a lot is that otto is still very young he was in a featured role this year and while you know we did see some struggles in the playoffs i think that was because everything is condensed in the playoffs and this was really the first time in Otto's career that, that he was clearly a focus of opponents, specifically the Celtics. And I think he will adjust. I think the team will adjust. Coach Brooks will adjust to Otto getting more attention. Absolutely. And I think that that is only going to benefit everybody. I mean, we saw the, the year that John Wall had. I think as everybody kind of continues to roll with those punches and roll with those changes, um, we're only going to see the, be- the the best of Otto Porter, which I, I do still think is yet to come um, with his age and his and his physical tools with his length I, I think there's more to come out of that and certainly we know that Scott Brooks is capable of developing that yeah Otto Porter of course uh, is only 24 years old uh, other things to throw in there um, he ranked second in the NBA among non-centers in uh, efficient or effective field goal percentage so that values uh three-point shots and two-point shots uh into his field goal percentage uh second of course behind the great kyle korber uh he was top 50 in assist to turnover ratio which is pretty good for someone who doesn't usually have the ball in his hands on but of course we expect that to change next year um so as chris kind of alluded to jamoke what what do you think otto's next step is then now he's got this contract he's gonna he knows where he's gonna be the next couple seasons what's next for otto so I think what's next for Otto is not just to prove that he was worth the contract, uh, the max deal, but I think, you know, we obviously are in the Washington Wizards organization. We all wanted to sign Otto. In my mind, I am always trying to read what other people are saying or watch what they're talking about on NBA TV, ESPN, whatever it may be, Comcast, uh, Sportsnet, uh, or NBC Sportsnet, as it will be called soon. It's, I, I feel like he's going to be under immense pressure to show that not only is he worth that contract, but when you look at the Golden State Warriors, the new NBA champs, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you look at what Oklahoma City is trying to do, you look at what Houston's trying to do, what Boston is trying to do, Otto has to prove that he is, now obviously his play can dictate whether he becomes an all-star, but at least on the court, whether he makes it in February on that court with the other All-Stars or not, he's got to be playing at an All-Star level, bottom line, because he has to show to the entire world 
that Otto Porter is a max player and can raise his game to a level that can see the players on these Washington Wizards roster get beyond the second round. Bottom line is we know that you need three or four all-stars to make some noise in the playoffs beyond that second round. The Wizards haven't got beyond that second round in a long time. We're going to be going up against uh, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the championship. Last time the Wizards or Bullets at that time won it all. But Otto really has blossomed into, you know, stats-wise, like what you talked about, top 30 players, that blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you talk to some of the old heads, they're like, ah, oh, it's about the eye test. And Otto's really got to step up as a leader to not just say, oh, statistically he's doing this, 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 and this from three-point shooting, blah, blah, blah. But he really has to elevate his game to an even higher level. Obviously, uh, you know, you talked about 538. They had a great stat that I thought was interesting. Everybody talking about Gordon Hayward uh, signing, Hayward signing with the Boston Celtics. But um, I saw a great tweet from 538 that said that Otto Porter is actually better than Gordon Hayward in his wins above replacement projection, that he will mm-hmm. be the better player over the next five years. Right. But we all hope so. Because we want to see this team make it to the Eastern Conference Championship and play against Cleveland or Boston, who I think are two teams that will definitely be up there. Let's not forget about Toronto, but the Wizards have to show that they can take that next step. And signing Otto was a big, big, big checkmark for Ernie Grunfeld to say, okay, we drafted John Wall, and now he's elevated his game to an all-star. We drafted Bradley Beal. We signed him to a max contract. He played great last year. He probably should have made the all-star game. We expect him to make it this upcoming year. Now we sign Otto, a number three overall draft pick. Now he's got to prove that he was worth it. And Ted's eye, you know, Ernie has to report to Ted, hey, look who I drafted. I drafted Otto Porter. He's going to become an all-star. We're making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And obviously, you know, in, in the public eye, if we don't get there, they're going to look back at this contract and say, well, was it worth it? Was it not? And I hope that, you know, obviously Otto and the rest of the team is going to prove that, yes, this is your core. This is your young core that's going to get you to that next level. And, you know, all praise to Otto. I'm happy that he's coming back. You know, I went to his hometown. Uh, they, he he has, a, has a court named after Otto Porter Jr. And I just think that I'm sure they were all celebrating there. Everybody's celebrating in Missouri and Georgetown, his second home here. As he has mentioned so many times, I think he wants to make this city proud, and I'm, I'm happy that he's back in the Wizards uniform. I think that's right. And, I, and a couple more things to add. Obviously, all of us are rooting for Otto. All of us have, have gotten to know him to some degree since our time here and since he started here in Washington. Obviously, Jamoke, you know, been through kind of the most with Otto and the the kind of person he is, the kind of player he is. We're all, we're all rooting for him to get that done and, and to be that kind of player. And the thing that I just looked up really quickly just because I'm curious the Gordon Hayward Otto Porter comparison is going to happen a lot this year because of them playing the same position and obviously our series with the Celtics last year it's not apples to apples by any means just because everything's different with every season and every team but Gordon Hayward is is 27 going into this year and in Gordon Hayward's fourth year in the NBA he averaged right around he averaged 16 points a game he was a 30 percent three-point shooter Otto just wrapped up that season as a 24-year-old. He shot 43% from three last year. He was over 50% from the field, scored 13 points a game. I think we saw Hayward become an all-star player after that, after that time. 
and Otto Porter is just reaching that point right now. And so it's hard to be patient because we saw what ha- what we saw how quickly Brad Beal and John Wall have elevated themselves and become All Star caliber players. But I think that I think that there's just a little longer to wait for Otto. We saw a point last year where he was exactly what people wanted him to be, and he saw and we saw flashes of that. And so I think. Just a just a little more a little more patience on that on that front can can really pay off for the Wizards and that's why they rewarded him with this contract. I mean, and, he's... and the thing is, like, it is somewhat of an unfair comparison based on the fact that Gordon was the guy in Utah. Right. I oh, don't yeah. never had the chance to be that guy, and he shouldn't necessarily be that guy because you got Wall and Beal. But I think now you he really needs to say okay. I make I need to because I feel like John Wall. Everybody calls him a pass first point guard, even though he is the number one option. I do think that he recognizes as being a pass first point guard that he's looking for his guys and trying to get them the ball. You would hope that Beal is the first pass he makes. Otto will now be the second, and that is hands down. Otto is the second option on this team to get the ball when John Wall has in his hands and he's driving to the basket for the kick and dish or the fast break, whatever it may be. Otto's going to be that guy with Beal. Yeah, and I think outside of the salary cap issues that we won't talk about on the podcast at all, but, you know, Otto's only started for two seasons now. I think this deal is mm-hmm. a lot about potential. Um, again, keeping the core intact. Beal got uh, a long-term contract as well. He proved it right I mean, right off the bat by just being healthy. And, you know, Otto hasn't been the healthiest this past season. He had some hip issues. Uh, which kept him out of a game or two. Um, but he was pretty durable, and he still went in there. He'd ride the bike when he wasn't playing uh, during the games and stuff, and he, he really will do anything for the team. And the one thing that sticks out to me that Scott Brooks said all season about Porter and his and Brooks's first season was that Otto Porter Jr. makes winning basketball plays, and that's why Brooks mm-hmm. loves coaching him. That's why uh, our the management here at the Wizards really likes Otto, besides you know him being a high-character guy, low low-key uh never has an ego problem you know he really loves his cars he loves to work on his game um but yeah for me what i want to see out of Otto is just for him to become more of an alpha ask for the ball more um take it to the rack you know build some muscle just get a little stronger which we saw on instagram on thursdays that he was back at verizon center uh lifting and everything um already so you know his offseason regimen is just beginning i'm sure he was taking it easy for a little while figuring out his his contract situation but it's exciting times uh auto porter is definitely a huge part of this team's future um and you know the wizards are gonna hopefully be another top four have another top four seed season in 27 18 and he's gonna be a big part of that so uh i don't know if there's any other closing remarks on porter but uh the wizards also announced on uh wednesday night uh, Jody Meeks, who uh, is a 6'4 shooting guard, been around the league a lot. He's played uh, most recently with the Magic, though he only played about 35 games uh, last season due to uh, he had foot surgery last July, so about a year ago, and then he unfortunately got a bad thumb injury and had to have surgery during the season. Uh, but still, here's the lowdown on Meeks. Uh, he's another Kentucky guy. He actually, we found out today in his or, uh in his uh, conference call on Thursday that he was part of the recruiting team for John Wall at Kentucky. So that was a pretty cool story. Uh, Meeks 
only played three games two seasons ago, but last year in his, I think, 35 games it was, he was a uh, 43.1% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, which is probably, if he qualified, top 10 in the league. No question. Um, and on his open three-pointers last season, 45.5%, which is pretty pretty good. A guy who's going to make an open shot half the time. Uh, you know, that's what you want. So uh, overall, he's a 38% career three-point shooter, uh, an 88% free throw shooter. And really, you know, we're highlighting those numbers because that's what he's going to be expected to do. His role is going to be that Boyan Bogdanovich role who has gone to the Pacers now in free agency is that Meeks needs to score. Yeah. He needs to be the shooter off the bench. He's Bradley Beal's backup. And really, I mean, this guy is only a few years removed from career season where he stepped in for Kobe Bryant and basically became, like, their, the Lakers' number one shooter. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw kind of what Boyan could bring, what Bogey could bring to this team when he was really uh, participating and, and taking his shots and being aggressive. And, and that's exactly what's going to be expected of Meeks, another veteran who – has has kind of seen it all you know he talked in his press conference today his conference call about how he's been through you know pretty much any up and down that you can that you can have in the nba he's had the injuries he's had losing seasons with some tough teams he's you know right. been through all those kinds of things and so i think that makes him you know ready to join this team ready to take on adversity and and most importantly hungry to contribute to this team um, and it, and that's going to be expected of him, but we know that his skill set will fit nicely with guys like uh, with guys like John Wall, and he talked a little bit about Tim Frazier as well. Mm-hmm. Two guys who are pass first point guards who want to get people involved, who want to get the ball moving, and that's how this Wizards team plays. That's how they're going to play for the foreseeable future with this team, with this core. I think he fits into that nicely, and certainly if he can stay healthy throughout the season, I think we're going to see uh, an improved scoring unit from the bench and obviously that that takes more than just adding him and and an improvement from him but he's certainly a good veteran presence to have um along with guys like kelly and tim frazier and 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 the like i do want to add that you know he's a shooter but he could score on the rim uh he gets the free throw line again he he's only played 40 games in the last two seasons so the sample size recently might be a little small but still i mean the guy said today that he's 100% healthy. See what what he can do. I think he's a, he's an upgrade to to what they had had after losing Bogdanovich for sure. Yep. Uh, and I really just see it as a low risk, high reward situation. And I think most importantly, he's going to mesh in really well with this locker room. Uh, he said he wants to bring in professionalism and leadership. He's almost yep. 30, so he'll be I think the third oldest guy behind Gortat and Mahinmi. Uh, so. So that'll be a good addition, especially a guy who's been around the league. He knows a lot of different players from, unfortunately, having to play on a lot of teams. He's been traded a good amount in his career, from yep. what I remember. So, yep. uh, Jamoke, what do you know about Jody and Meeks? What are you excited to see about him? I think, first and foremost, what you just said at the end, Zach, is what's important to me. When We, we, we all know some things about this locker room uh, from being around the players so much that having a whether you want to call him a character guy or a seasoned veteran or the fact that, um, you know, he and John Wall both have a connection with Kentucky, all of those things play into what happens on the court. 
and every player that comes in, you always, to me, you, I always look at that first, how they will gel with the rest of the players, not on the court, because most of these players at this NBA level, they can play to, to, to an extent. I mean, you Hopefully, know, right? varying levels, but they can yeah. all play. It's what happens when you're in a timeout, how they interact with each other. When you're in the locker room before a game or after the game, how they are able to either lift up their teammates or, you know, give them some advice when they're having a tough time. That's really important to me. And I think Jody Meeks, you hope that when he comes in, he can add that to it. But on the court, the part that I love is that he's 6'4". That when John is not on the court, you know, whether you have an issue with height-wise, we saw it last year in the playoffs, even though they beat the Wizards fair and square, but, you know, when, when Isaiah Thomas, when you had a height issue, yeah, there's a level of ability for another team to be able to shut him down. And I think that a 6'4 point guard in Jody to back up John, I think can, can only help him be able to, you know, you talked about being a pass-first point guard, but you know, you don't have to change that much if their game is that similar and your height and weight play into that as well. Um, we saw it last year a little bit with Brandon, a little smaller than John, so it, it changes the dynamic. Uh, and that's another thing that I like about it because I think you all brought up good points about you know, the fact he only hasn't played all, all 40 games in the last two seasons, which means his body is maybe younger than his age, which, which also helps. And being fully recovered from you know, his uh, foot injury, his thumb in injury, um, all of those things are like you hope you're getting a player that's a little more fresh, a little more energized to show that he belongs and still got game. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, too, that uh, you know, Frazier, I think he can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, or Frazier, of course, is the point guard, sorry. Uh, Jody Meeks can handle the ball a little bit. Um, but I I think the lineup that I'm most excited about is seeing a little bit of Wall, Meeks, and Beal all on the court at the same time, put Otto at the four. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just a lethal lineup. Meeks' defense has been questioned, I know, in the past couple seasons. But here's the thing. When players get older, they lock in more defensively. That's just how it is. They might not be as athletic, but they know what being a team player is about. And the, the give up is less. The... Uh, the ego is less about needing to score and not playing defense, so I think I don't find that to be as big of a concern with Meeks. We we, we saw that a lot with Jared Dudley, too. I, mm. When Jared Dudley was here for a season, I know that John and, and, and plenty of other guys commented about how, yeah, sure, he's not the most athletic guy on the floor, but he's, you'll almost never catch him out of position. You'll almost never catch him you know leaning one way or the other he reads the scouting report he knows his he knows his opponents and because of that he can still be an effective defensive player in the in the later stages of his career so hopefully we'll see that from Meeks Jamoke I like your comment about the about the culture fit too just because this last season it was pretty clear that this was a very close team um, kind of from top to bottom and I think fitting into that and fitting into that culture is very important too and by the way, that starts with Coach Brooks, and, and that's something that he Absolutely. preached from the beginning. And we saw it pay off this season uh, time and time again. So he's a good fit there. I think uh, I think that about wraps it up for Meeks. But I, but yeah, overall, I, I think I, we really... Sorry, guys. I realized I said Wall versus Beal when I was talking about him being able to back him up. Yeah, we um, understood. I, yeah. I totally screwed that up. But that's what I meant you. was Beal when he comes in for Beal uh-huh. to have yeah. that same size. Yeah, I mean, I just think he's like a better Marcus Thornton, and yeah. I think that's the end of it. Yeah, 
And I think that's very, I mean, that's helpful. And we saw, you know, what happened when guys like, like Bogey and stuff were added to yeah. the lineup, the kind of dimensions that that can bring. So we will see how it plays out. I think he'll be starts. another another good guy to, to mentor Sheldon Mack, who we'll get to in a little bit from Summer League. But Definitely. That, you know, you just need to su- surround some of your younger players with vets and, you know, both Meeks and Scott add to to what they already have. And, I mean, John Wall's a vet at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, they basically have a, a seasoned vet at every position now, yep. which is great. Um, yeah. Moving forward, we talked a lot about Gordon Hayward um, already, but I did want to get your guys' thoughts on what he means and what he brings to the Celtics and the rest of the Eastern Conference. I know that a lot of players have gone west, as everyone's saying. Maybe the East isn't as strong as it's been in years past, but what does Hayward bring to the Celtics? But also, what does losing Avery Bradley in that trade to the Pistons and gaining Marcus Morris with the Celtics, how does that change their matchup? All those things, how does that change their matchup with the Cavs, the Wizards, the Raptors? Uh, Loaded question, but a lot of thoughts here, I know. Jamoke. Well, I mean, the first thing is like, I mean, guys, we loved, loved that series last year with the Wizards and Celtics. I mean, you know, I think we all got into it. We got energized. Yes, part of that was from some negative, you know, some elbows and, you know, plays that probably the NBA, you know, and us as a team are like, we're not really happy about but I think that there's definitely a, there was a, a level of excitement when you were playing the Celtics, and then you were saying, okay, well that means next year, oh boy, if they need again in the playoffs, that's going to be a doozy, and I'm looking forward to it, especially with Tatum uh, being drafted and mm-hmm. Hayward there, and Tatum's relationship with Beal, huh? And Tatum's relationship with Beal too from high school. I know. So then it sours it because then you're not as like. <laughs> You're not as like wanting to see them battle the same way because you recognize that now you've got Beal who, you know, I don't know how many of the fans know this, that he and Tatum basically went to school, uh, the same high school together at Chaminade. So, you know, I know Beal has a soft spot for Tatum and then Morris and his brother are now, they're yeah. both, you know, you, you got... They're only the twins. brothers in Boston, the Wizards. It takes away from it, right, guys? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. But I think at the same time, it makes it even more entertaining. The storylines will be, like, they're not going to be as negative as much. You're going to get a lot more about the Morris twins. Did they switch places? You know, whatever. Uh, and then, but in the end, what my biggest takeaway from all that was, holy crap, Avery Bradley is not on this team anymore, and he was probably a top three reason that the Celtics beat the Wizards in that series. Yes, I definitely agree with that. I find I found that I, I thought he was the glue guy, especially with what happened with Isaiah Thomas, you know, and his sister passing and Avery Bradley, they grew up, grew up together and as kids or whatever. Like, he held that team together on and off the court. We talk about the locker room. Oh, yeah. You know, A.V. Bradley, in many ways, held that locker room together. And I was surprised at the Celtics then, which goes to show us the business. They were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll be fine without him and move on. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll see. I mean, Avery Bradley, for all of his – I think going into that Celtics series, we were all concerned about how Avery Bradley was going to impact the game defensively him combined with Marcus Smart, those two guys really putting pressure on John and Brad and how the Wizards were going to react. And we saw them have some success with that. We also saw John and Brad have success against them. But Avery Bradley's defense 
can't be it, it almost can't be overstated. And we saw that that he was all the, he was also a reason, by the way, that the Celtics got any wins against the Cavs in the next round. He yeah. was a big, yeah. big part of that team. And never mind, you know, we didn't really even get to the fact that he got buckets against the Wizards and the Cavs in that following round. Oh, yeah. He was a he was a very good scoring presence for them. Now, granted, that's what Hayward adds, right? I mean, Hayward is a, is a scoring wing. He can shoot the three ball. He can put the ball on the floor. He can Crunch time the winner. Yeah, he's he's proven that late in games he can get it done. So all those things, and and of course he's an all star. I mean, we we know that he is a quality player. That he certainly adds to this team. Never mind. We'll see what Jason Tatum can bring. He's looked very good. Um, yeah. But. I think it'll be very, very interesting to, to see the kind of drawbacks of, of Bradley's departure. And we may not find that out, quite honestly, in, in earnest until the playoffs come around again and, and those those matchups get super micromanaged and everything gets put under the microscope. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch. There's going to be a billion storylines with this matchup again. It will be, if it it'd be it'd be great if we get them again. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, and I think Marcus Marcus Morris was a a good adi- I mean a good you know result of losing Avery Bradley. They really missed someone at the four spot, but now they have all these wings: Hayward, Crowder, Jalen Brown, Tatum. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of crowding. But in a league of which is just going towards having these wings, and you know Brad Stevens showed that against the Wizards too. He'd play four guards and Al Horford if he wanted to, but what what it came down to to me was the, the Wizards didn't win because when Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley were guarding John and Brad they couldn't they couldn't beat the Celtics in that situation consistently off the dribble and score consistently against them and that you know mm-hmm. IT may have been hiding on Otto who Otto took advantage of that matchup but maybe not the whole series but to me it's just like Avery Bradley was so important very important. is that going to change of course they're bringing in Hayward but as we talked about and we're not trying to be biased Hayward is the biggest free agent name of this summer, mainly because of who else was in the free agent class, I would say. Yes. But he was an all-star. Yeah. I give him credit. He killed the Wizards last season. I remember in crunch time in a game here, especially, he hit some huge shots. But, I mean, at the same time, it's I don't think the Celtics got astronomically better than the Wizards right. so far this offseason. Right. I think the net result is, is smaller than I think it, it has been made out to be. And and we'll find well, out. I think because I feel like exactly what you're saying, Zach and, and Chris, too, is that realistically the Celtics had Isaiah Thomas and they needed Herculean efforts in almost every game. Isaiah Thomas in the overtime, the Kelly Olynyk game, the, the Avery Bradley game just to beat the Wizards. Hands down, they beat them, but they needed these special games to get past the Wizards. And I think for the Wizards, if there's a silver lining to losing to the Celtics, they realize that, hey, we could have beat this team easily. But as a team, we just didn't have it. We, we didn't have that one game where there was a, a player just coming out of nowhere because no one expected Kelly Olynyk, especially, to have the game that he did. Avery Bradley, the game, what, 29 points that one game. Like, where did this come from? Yep. So I think that you are right. The Celtics realize, oh, shoot, we need more. And that's why they go out and get Hayward. Um, but I feel like, realistically, the Wizards have an uphill battle to surpass the Celtics and be able to challenge 
Cleveland for to be the Eastern Conference champ, champs. And I think Toronto, to me, pretty much, I think they kind of stayed the same, right? I didn't see them doing... To an extent. I mean, they, they ended up trading Damari Carroll to Brooklyn as kind of a, a cap dump. And then they traded for C.J. Miles with in you know in the process losing Corey Joseph, who was a great backup yeah. point guard. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And they lost P.J. Tucker to the, the Rockets in free agency. I mean, I just don't think that team is as deep. But at the same time, it's going to give them their younger guys opportunities to step up, like Norman Powell, who looked great in the playoffs. Yes. Uh, Jakob Pertle, who's still growing and you know getting stronger. I mean, he's a he's going to be a good player. Valanciunas is still getting better. But yeah, I don't. The hype for the Raptors doesn't feel the same. But I think that the Wizards and Raptors will once again go head to head for the three seed as the rosters stand right now. Agreed. And if you look at those four teams, right? We, we're talking really about Raptors, uh, Celtics, Wizards, Cavs. I think two teams that you look at to maybe knock off one of those four teams are the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. Are the two teams that I think could have been in 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 any one of either one of those semifinal games that next year they will be that much better after having learned from, you know, Milwaukee learning how to get there. In Miami, I'm, I was still surprised they didn't get there. Um, but, you know, right below those four teams, those are the two teams that are like, wow, look out for them next year. Yeah. And yeah. the Bucks will have Jabari Parker back, hopefully by the All-Star break. Uh, re-signed Tony Snell. And then uh, the Heat didn't make too many big changes. They retained most of their talent, signed Kelly Olynyk, and also drafted Bam Adebayo, another Kentucky guy. So I think, I mean, I think the East is going to be top-heavy, but we've talked about it a lot. It's going to be – no game is going to be easy when you play anyone but, you know, probably the Knicks and the Nets and a few other teams. Like mm-hmm. most of these games, the teams are built with some, some really tough players. Yeah, They might not be the most yeah. talented rosters overall, but – I think there's an element of depth in the East. Maybe not the superstars, but depth. Um, yeah. One guy that the East lost uh, besides Gordon Hayward was Paul George, who was traded to the Thunder for Victor Oladipo, who's going back to Indiana, uh, where he went to college, and uh, Domotas Sabonis, who went to school at Gonzaga. Uh, it's going to be a second-year player. Paul George has, you know, from what we understand – basically a rental there he's open to returning if everything goes well but how do you guys think he's going to fit in with russ and the rest of that team i mean i really like the thunder it's just the west is a monster (laughs) the the thunder are going to be i mean the the effort that we saw russell westbrook put in last year was incredible to watch and at the same time we we saw how far that got the thunder it's incredible how how competitive the Western Conference is and it's incredible how much more competitive it just got and there's certainly free agency and this offseason is not over so we'll see you know where where that all sits when when all the dust settles and we go to training camp but the the addition of Paul George certainly puts them in contention watching the way that the Warriors played last year specifically in the playoffs I, I have no idea um, how you beat that team in a seven-game series? Right. I, I mean, it's it was frustrating and incredible to watch at the same exact time. Um, just of of how the level that they were able to reach, in by the way, what was only their first year, um, together. So, right. I think that it'll make Oklahoma City 
fun to watch. I think they're going to be very tough to beat. Obviously, when we see them twice a year, that that turns into a very an even more difficult game. We had trouble with Russ last year, as it stands, but um, it's good. I mean, it's it's awesome for Oklahoma City. Those fans are crazy. Yeah. They love the Thunder. Really happy for them. It is awesome that they got Paul George. It'd be it'd be really cool if they could get him to stick around too. So we'll we'll see how this season plays out. Him and him and Russ are special top ten type talents, and I if see, they can yeah. play together. I see a lot, and Jamoke, we'll see if you agree with this. I know Westbrook is kind of on his own level. Paul George is, you know, he's a top 20 NBA player. But I see a lot of what I like about that team is they might not have a third superstar, but they have just excellent role players. Steven Adams is a bruiser down low. Yep. He makes you work every possession. Anthony Roberson's probably the best perimeter defender in the NBA right now. Uh, they got Patrick Patterson from the, the Raptors in free agency. Didn't even mention him earlier about the Raptors. That's a big loss for them. A stretch for yeah. um, they've got s- just some really good role players there. Billy Donovan, who's proven that he can coach at the next level too. Would you almost? I know that we're we're saying, and it's hard to compare with the Warriors because they have three superstars, um, and you could even say four. But uh, yeah, isn't having two superstars and the right role players? I mean, Shaq and Kobe proved that too. Isn't that also just as important? Like, I think you can win with two superstars and great role players. Not saying they'll beat the Warriors, but I think in another season, that team could definitely win the championship. Yeah, I mean, they can, but I think, you know, we all remember last year, right? The first game between the Warriors and the Thunder and Russell Westbrook looking at Kevin Durant saying, I'm coming, I'm coming. That's all Russell Westbrook has on his mind. He has a one-track <laughs> mind, and that is, I am gunning for the Warriors. I am gunning for Kevin Durant. And I'm not and getting in his way. Paul George. No. But to me, what I remember is Paul George talking about C.J. Miles. Uh-huh. Remember he took that game, I guess, uh-huh. missing shot yep. against Toronto in the playoffs, and Paul George is mad because, yo, I was supposed to have a ball in my hands at the end of the game, even though he was double-teamed. He was the leader. How will he adjust on the team where Russell's going to be like, oh, yeah, Paul, okay, oh, yeah, I guess I got to get you the ball, too. All right, yeah, 10 seconds left. Okay, yeah, you go stand over there. I got this. Right. That's the key because for Paul, as we all know, this is one and done for him. This is like any of the college players. Yeah, I'm here. I'm about my time, and then I got something else I want to do. I got another place I want to play. So – at what point will that maybe get old or stale for Paul George to say, yo, I don't want to stand here and watch this guy run up and down the court, get triple doubles and take my rebounds and take my three-point shots. Now, I don't want to be like a negative Nancy, but we all know that in many ways that's what's going to end up happening. And if Paul George is comfortable with that, with not being a 1A, but being the second option and sometimes maybe third, because realistically, as Chris brought up, you know, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe it was you, Zach, but, you know, you got Steven Adams, who's a force inside. Now, granted, he's not a, 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 a guy who's going to call for the ball, but between him and Enos Cantor, and you're bringing in Patrick Patterson, who wants some touches, too. You didn't just bring in a good second player. Yeah. You brought, brought in another superstar who wants to shine. And if his light is dimmed any bit, he may say, okay, this was a good experiment. We tried it out. I'm out. And if you're looking at Oklahoma City as an organization, 
as fans, Sam Presti, whatever you may want to look at it. And then you say, well, wait a second. We brought in Paul George. It didn't equal anything. And then we got nothing for Paul George when he left. We're back to square one looking longingly at the grass being way greener on that West Coast. Yeah. Well, and so what we'll, did you get for it? That's my that's my biggest concern. We'll see. I mean, I don't feel like they gave up a lot in that trade. We won't really get into the specifics of that, but I think it was worth it. The gamble. My, I agree with you though. I think it's going to be just really interesting to see how, like, how big of a superstar is Paul George in this situation. Yeah. I mean. Right. And I don't like labeling things in general, but like that's just the best way to put it. You know. Kyrie and LeBron complement each other really well because they're willing to, you know, give each other uh, chances, you know, switch off bringing the ball up. And Kyrie obviously knows LeBron is better than him, but LeBron also knows mm-hmm. when Kyrie's got it going, he's going to give him the ball. How will Russ mm-hmm. and Paul George figure that out? I mean, most teams that have two really good scorers have to do that. John and Brad have gone through that. They've really grown from it, I think. We, we saw that last season. But, I mean, it's still – gonna be it's gonna be an issue every couple games it just happens that's just how people yeah. are how basketball players work yeah. yep um but yeah that i guess that's enough free agency talk um oh man we're not going to talk about chris paul and Whoa. my man out there jimmy James butler Martin, and how many touches they're going to be given to didn't each we other? talk up we talked right, about fine. them a while ago but i i wanted us we we're going a little long right here so i wanted to go <laughs> I think we got – I mean, those those are more impactful moves, I would say. But, yeah, we talked to James Harden and Paul a little bit um, a few podcasts ago. But I want to talk Summer League. Chris was, of course, there for part of it. Uh, Jamoke and I have been watching from afar. Um, we have a really interesting roster with the Wizards. I mean, I think the only player on the roster that was ever drafted is Ike Diagu, who is now 33 years old and coming back from China trying to get another shot at the NBA. Uh Everyone else is undrafted. Yeah. Um, or And Chris McCullough was drafted right. in the first round a few years ago by the Nets, but not by the Wizards. So none of these players have been drafted by the Wizards. So that's the important there. Uh, but I think we've seen uh, the guys that we expect to be back next year, Sheldon Mack, Daniel Oshefu, Chris McCullough. We know Mike Young has signed a two-year uh, – two, not a two-year, two-way contract with the Wizards. Uh so, Chris, I mean, yeah. what what did you take away, I guess, first of all, from just being around the team once they got through minicamp, yeah. observations, how they played? Um, you're probably a better source than Jamoki and I from just watching here and there. Well, yeah, so sitting through sitting through the minicamp, which was in Las Vegas for the first time this year, usually what they do is they have the minicamp in D.C. and then fly to Vegas. This year they flew out to Vegas a few days early, had their practices out there, kind of adjusted to the weather at the time, all those things, and... I think the, the the familiar faces that we talk about, and you can add Daniel House in there as well, for guys who have been through this pro, this process with this coaching staff. I think they, you know, I think they did pretty well for themselves. I, it was very clear that from the beginning that they knew their stuff. They were certainly leaders of sorts. Certainly, the whole point of summer league is that not not everybody has a ton of experience, and so you know, leaders is obviously kind of a relative term. But I think they certainly. They certainly all displayed that, and you know Daniel Ochefu said that he's been working on you know, working on his body, making sure that he becomes a, an assertive rebounder. I think we saw that. We've seen that come to fruition in, in the summer league games. One double double, another one that was real close um, on the point side, and so 
for Sheldon Mack, same thing. Um, you know, working on handling the ball and and being a go-to scorer and improving that three-point shot. All of those things are are still a work in progress for him. And I think it, he would admit that as well. But we've seen him kind of go into the summer league out of the camp and score. You know, be that twenty-point scorer and and be that go-to guy. Now, certainly, you know, the coaching staff is is working with a lot of different lineups and you know, end of game, things like that, the minutes are being managed for everybody. And so it's not necessarily always managed. Like, you know, you want your best five out there in the, in crunch time. They're, they're certainly working through certain guys, but Mac, Ochefu, those, the, uh, excuse me, McCullough, um, they've all shown that they're certainly veterans of this scenario and veterans with this team specifically, Chris McCullough, you know his his athleticism continues to be really impressive, and if you didn't see his dunk from game, I guess what four? Yeah, Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, definitely need to go check that out. And so they all they all clearly have NBA tools, and just continuing to develop those will will certainly be will certainly be interesting to watch as we get into training camp. And I think they've all had games where they've shown exactly what the coaching staff has wanted to see from them. Um, that hasn't translated into wins for the Wizards for all kinds of reasons. But, of course, it's not really about but wins in the end. Exactly. And, and you know, we've seen them all personally develop and and kind of take a vocal leadership role as well, which is good to see and something that the coaching staff expected for them. And so, and so I think overall, you know, while the wins and losses, as we said, aren't, aren't there, um, still plenty of progress. And then, we can get to some of the rookies too. I know that Zach, you've you've watched some of these games as well. But Marcus Keene, Michael Young, as we saw, he signed a two-way deal. Devin Robinson, those have been the rookies kind of to watch. Right. And um, they've all shown signs of exactly again why why the Wizards brought them in. Kind of take it from there. But yeah, I mean that's the only thing that bums me out is to see them end up being zero for four. You know, I thought. <laughs> Jamoke is a big some, summer league winner guy. Got to get those W's wherever you can. That's you know, right. I mean, I, I call this roster like the undrafted roster, although I know that Chris McCullough was drafted. But, you know, I really hope that this team would at least end two and two. We've never really made noise in any of the playoff, you know, games that we've had in summer league. And I know, again, it's, it's only summer league, but, you know, I'd <laughs> I don't know. I I wish they wouldn't be. They, it wasn't zero and four, but I agree with what Chris said. You know, we've seen some positive things out of you know several players that you know you hope are going to be on the roster this year or maybe even playing in the G League. Um, I would like the big men to get a few more touches, a little more out of Chris McCullough and Daniel Chefu. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think for Sheldon Mack saying that this was a Return of the Mac. I think that he played well. Um, I like what you know Marcus Keene did, and but now that they're playing in the consolation game, and you know it's over on Friday, you just want players to make it through this last game and be healthy and come back home and hopefully continue to work on their game. You know, because realistically, it's it's not over for them. They have a lot of work to do to try to make a roster or you know even be able to improve on whatever game they're going to have for summer league. I mean, excuse me, for G league. And uh, we'll see what they can do. But I, I did in the end, I think I was really, really impressed. 
If I had to pick one player I was impressed with, it was definitely Sheldon Mack. And I love that the NBA still says Sheldon McClellan on their website <laughs> all the time. Yeah, on the stats page and everything. Yeah, uh, I'd agree. I think Sheldon was definitely the most impressive uh, yeah. player on the team, which we expected, but it's good when that actually happens. And he's just proving that he, he has the tools to play, to be a, you know, a player on both sides of the ball. And I, I really see him having a role on the Wizards next season, it, yeah, maybe if it's definitely. only five-minute spurts. But I think he, he was just a good find last season. Yeah, uh, Oshefu's defense has been pretty impressive. He's – he had a real bad foul trouble the first game, but I think since he's settled in a lot more, um, Marcus Keene can just score. I don't know what else he can really do, but the way he scores at his height is pretty impressive, and he's just a fun player to watch. He's a great guy to be around. Yeah. Uh, Devin Robinson, just really a raw player right now, but I think his his stretch four potential is pretty great, a player that we all thought was going to get drafted in the top 40. So for the Wizards, mm-hmm. if, you know, if – they do decide to keep him in some capacity uh that would that would be great um but yeah i mean i think again summer league as we know is really just scrimmages it doesn't mean anything uh in the long run but for these guys like you're saying jamoki this is everything for them to show that they can have a shot in in the league and make it to the next level even if that's getting a spot on a g league team or getting invited to training camp so you know that stuff is really important um, but that's about uh, all we've got really about Summer League. And the last thing I wanted to bring up for fun, and I know Jamoke will have some kind of hot take about this. The NBA has changed their rules about timeouts. Uh, now going from 18 total timeouts, I believe it was, to 14 uh, in every game. Uh, all timeouts will now be 75 seconds long. There will be no 20-second or full timeouts, which were, I think, 90 seconds long. Yeah. Uh, so that's those are just some of the small changes from all the rules, but I, I just thought Jamoke would definitely have some kind of hot take about that. Well, I mean, first of all, <laughs> at the end of a game, there is nothing worse. There is nothing worse at the end of a game where coaches call timeout a million times. After right. one play, timeout. I'm going to set my defense. I'm going to make substitutions after the first free throw. Like, all of that stuff is like you just want to allow these guys to play basketball. And it's such a Debbie Downer when you're trying to watch it either as a fan or working for a team. You're like, oh, they shot off, timeout. Like, it just, it just destroys the flow of the game. And that's what I like about the changes because I just want them to play. Um, and, and so I guess I don't know if that's like a big hot take, but no. that's – that's where I feel is going to improve the game is, is make the fan more interested in it. I actually wish they wouldn't allow coaches to call timeouts, period, at the last two minutes of the game unless it was a controversial play just to force them, just for you to be forced to just have to watch these guys play basketball and use their mind and calculate, you know, how they're going to play and, and be able to take – I mean, half the time, you know, a coach is calling the play from the sideline anyway – you know, point guard, or like I love how John Wall like doesn't touch the ball till it reaches half court. Mm-hmm. He looks at the coach briefly and then puts his head back down and picks up the ball. Then the clock starts rolling again. That's enough. That's all you need for a play. You don't need to call a timeout <laughs> and draw something up. Just let them play basketball. That's what we want to see is them play, not having to watch them draw up whatever they're going to do, and then the players are going to blow it off anyway and do pick and roll 80% of the time, right? Right. And I think that. 
they the other big rule change is that there will only be two timeouts in the last two or three minutes. So that should definitely speed up the game. I hope they can do something about replays too because those got a little ridiculous last season. But yeah. Adam Silver. They did. How many times are we watching a replay on the television and as soon as we see it, like, oh, we made the call, yet it takes the replay center, which I'm sure there's some scientific reason why they have to do this and do that. I wish we could hear what they're saying on the headset to kind of help the fan understand why it takes so long. There yeah. might be some procedural reasons why it takes five to seven minutes to replay something when the fan, you know, sees it with their naked eye and they're like, oh, that was definitely out on so-and-so player. It's just, ugh. Yeah, well, we're all for transparency in this league, but wanted to just get your thoughts on that, Jamoke. I figured it would rattle your cage a little bit. <laughs> oh, it definitely, it definitely does. Yeah. And, and I can't wait to see how it affects the game. I've got some other changes I'd like to see the NBA make. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. podcast. That sounds like an we'll August podcast time. and we have nothing to do. <laughs> uh, yes, let's, let's put that on the docket that we are going to do our own rules change for the NBA for an August podcast. With kids, I hope you're going to look forward oh to God. that. Oh, God, we already know that number one's going to be the four-point shot. <laughs> oh, come on. Tell me y'all didn't like that. Y'all didn't watch the big three event? Yeah. Well, no, that was fun. Uh, I liked watching that. But anyway. That is exciting. Yeah. How about are... a five-point half-court shot? Yeah, well, you know, we can talk about that again on another okay, podcast. Okay. I shouldn't even okay. brought it up at all. <laughs> uh, all right, Jim. Okay, I want to thank you for calling in. Uh yeah, thanks for having me. I really yeah, appreciate it. The, uh, you did a good job, Zach. And Chris. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Chris yeah. did a great job too. Two man pod. Yeah, we're doing our best here, trying to hold down the fort with everyone in Vegas. But uh, appreciate everyone listening. Please subscribe uh, to Off the Bench on iTunes. We really appreciate uh, the feedback we've gotten so far. Um, of course, this podcast is still growing a lot, and we hope that uh, it'll continue to do so. Uh, expect to hear from some wizards next week, including possibly Otto Porter, the new, uh, the new, the, he's coming back, not the new, <laughs> right. uh, he will have a press conference next week and, uh, we should be able to hear from him then. So, uh, have a great weekend. And as Jamoke would say, ciao for now, whiz kids. Mm-hmm.